Hello again and welcome to another SPS on the go audio only. Today I am joined by Lee Schroeder and Chris Fontana and we want to talk about having a successful demo in rock with our new rock drills. So Lee, take it away. So obviously RJ, Chris, uh, we've had a lot of success around the world really when we talk about the new 40x55DR and the D23x30DR. Um, a lot of momentum, we've had a lot of success, but there's still a lot of things that people need to learn and need to be able to set the expectations of pre going out to a demo so you have a successful demo that can turn into a sale at the end of the day. We are very excited with what we've done thus far. In 2020, we're going to build over 175 rock drills that are going to enter the market. So that's exciting stuff. But at the end of the day, we're going to be going through tough rock ground conditions. Um, and in all, all over the world, we want to make sure that we set good expectations of our contractors. And really, at the end of the day, and that's why Chris is here too, is we need to set the expectation with the tooling because the tooling is the most critical component uh, when we talk about it. So Chris, you know, what are some things uh, when, when we're getting ready for a demo that you want to make sure are answered uh, by the contractor back to the dealership and back to the factory members that are going to help support these demos? Uh, I think probably the most important thing is to understand the prevailing ground conditions. So granted, it's going to change, uh, you know, it could change very quickly within one board, but yet you have to have a fighting chance of understanding what what in the heck you're drilling through is important, which is going to drive you to make decisions on what kind of tooling yep. uh, to choose. Yep. So what are what are we seeing most common, I guess, from a uh, an RH10 and RH15? Are we using tricones, PDCs? Uh, what's kind of the most prevailing way? I, I would say probably the majority of the time right now we're using uh, uh, tricone bits. Uh, it's the most uh, universal and forgiving tool out there. Uh, and a variety of IADC codes, which might be a little bit too deep for this conversation, but yet uh, it helps dial it. The IADC, IADC code helps you dial it in, that bit into the rock formation, the abrasivity, uh, what you're dealing with. And uh, so PDC bit is, uh, is a specific bit for specific ground conditions. So I would say prevailing the, the uh, trichome bit is the bit of choice right now. So a lot of different options. Make sure you contact your cutting-edge solution specialist uh, to make sure that we, we're picking the right tool for the right job, right? We don't want to serve ice cream with a nice pick. You want to use a scoop. So, you know, Chris, let's talk a little bit about um, expectations of wear life and rebuild uh, when it comes to an RH10, RH15. So, you know, every eight hours we need to be greasing that drill head. That is critical to the life of it. You know, we, we offer our polyurea grease. You can't just be pumping any random grease in it but every eight hours is pretty critical. When are we rebuilding it? What's involved in that rebuild, whether it's the 50-hour, the 200-hour? What's all involved okay. in those? If I could take a step back, step back though, and comment about that, that greasing point, you know, every eight hours is a, is a minimum recommendation. So what I recommend, you do a quick bore, and you're out of that hole in four hours, you grease it. Every time that thing comes out of the hole, you grease it. If you're in the hole eight hours and you're not done, Let's pull it out and grease it. Grease, grease, grease. That's the that's the key. That's what we're seeing from very successful contractors that are enjoying long life of their tools. That they are just using grease like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. So. And I was on a job site a couple of weeks ago and uh, had a contractor who's about 40 feet from popping out of the hole, and uh, he was at like hour seven. He's like, I'm not going to get this finished before I need to grease it. And he tripped back 300 feet, greased it, went back down hole. Um, and that's really what we want to see at the end of the day uh, in terms of life of the tool, 
Right. So let's, let's get into the rebuild. What, what's all involved at what time interval and what do we do um, and kind of rough costs maybe? So we're looking at, uh, at, at 50 inner rod hours. We've got to focus on inner rod hours. The machines give you that, uh, that data and spit it right out there in front of your face. Uh, so at 50 inner rod hours, well, that's when we recommend that we do that first uh, maintenance rebuild, which includes uh, the bearing stack, uh, bushings, uh, seals, and, uh, and that's, it's pretty simple. It's a little bit over $1,000 bill, and we want to do that again about 50 hours you know you'll give or take sometimes uh kind of like you're alluding to earlier with the greasing if it's 45 hours and it makes sense let's let's do it before we go back in the hole gotcha what about does that need to be sent to the dealership can that be done out on the job site what do you recommend there with the with the proper tools we, we've created an awesome tool set that goes along with the sale of a, sale of a drill you can do that right on the job site uh it is, is a little bit challenging you have to have a, a service truck uh, to make it a little bit easier, but uh, uh, to be able to secure the head and hold it safely is most important. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, a contractor could do that 50-hour rebuild in his own shop with a bench and, and a way to secure it and hold it. What would safe. you suggest how long that's going to take? Uh, I would say, um, you know, after you do it a few times, you can do a rebuild in an hour and a half, you okay. know, relatively. Gotcha. So we, we work through our 50-hour rebuilds. When's the next kind of major rebuild we got to do? So you go 50 hours. You're going to go another 50 hours. We get up around 200 inter-rod hours. Uh, that is when we recommend, uh, we just call it that, a 200-hour uh, rebuild. Um, so at that point, you're doing the same thing that you're doing with that 50-hour rebuild kit, new bearings, new seals, new bushings. But we're also replacing the, uh, the inner shaft a bit the bit box and shaft that the bearings ride on. Uh, and uh, we're also replacing the CV joint, which transfers power through the tool. And then there's a transitional shaft that hooks to your rear coupler uh, off your drill rod to that CV joint, which drives, uh, drives the bit box. So we recommend uh, that being replaced at that point in time. So a little bit more detailed. Uh, if you ask me, can you do that on the job site? If you've got... Uh, portable breakout tongs or set of hydraulic breakout tongs you could do it on a job site but it's a little bit intrusive uh we'd recommend taking it to a dealership to do that type of work or if you have that breakout bench the contractor has that breakout bench in his shop to do it in that type of environment uh, a little bit more handling and when you put it back together you want to make sure that you torque up those tool joints in between the uh uh the uh the sand housing and the uh, and the bearing housing itself so so the, the RH10, RH15, we've had a lot of success, um, and a lot of that's tied to the performance of it, right? Um, the steerability of the of both those heads, uh, both in, in dirt, cobble, tough ground conditions, we've seen a lot of good things. So, um, you know, as we move back, you know, that's a piece of the of the pie, right? Let's talk a little bit about the outer rod, the inner rod, and the couplers um, that are on these uh, two dual rod machines. So let's talk about the couplers. Um, what do we want to look for? How do we want to get the most life out of them? And when we could possibly see us needing to uh, replace those. So I'll speak to starting off with the with the 4055 or the RH15 that package. Um, we have the ability. What I step back a moment here. Would recommend when we're greasing rods, when we're making up tool joints, um, make sure that we're using uh, the what we call copper coat or the uh, 
um, or any of that, uh, that that type of product. Do not use BioStick. It's not the not the most user friendly in that environment. And what we see that, that those that use a lot of the copper coat uh, on their tool joints, uh, a lot of that spills over onto couplers, which enhances the coupler life. Okay. And it, it's just a, a, another lubricating factor. So that's something to, to keep your eye on. Uh, but if we're, if we're taking our time, there's nothing fast about rock drilling. You're taking your time. You're making up the tool joints properly um, and inspecting those tool joints and those couplers as you're working that you should start looking at cycling those those uh, couplers out at about 100 interrod hours to 150 interrod hours. So it's it's going to be on how how hard you work the machine and how well you lubricate those tool joints is where you see the big difference. Absolutely, and especially on the on the D40 by 55 DR on those couplers with the with the sleeve on them, we can really tell a good story in terms of if there's a failure, a premature failure what was done right if it's cracked right we've seen an oversteer if it's mushroomed down we've seen it crowded um, or if it's worn out right that yeah makes and, and if and if you and if you have a negative tool joint engagement with the inner rod meaning that if that inner rod is not quite uh, uh making itself up as the outer rods trying to pull it together you will see uh those outer sleeves push off a little bit so that tells you that we're We've got to slow down in the makeup sequence and make sure that we have positive inner rod engagement. Yep. So taking your time, obviously yeah. pretty critical. Yeah. Uh, you're in no rush, right? Yeah. You're going to be drilling at uh, anywhere from a quarter foot per minute to a couple feet per minute, you know, honestly, yeah. when you're drilling through tough rock, right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, okay. So, you know, another thing that's pretty critical, I guess, is mud flow. Uh, when we talk about the rock drills, and obviously we've gone from our Kelsey seals on our predecessor rock drill to this mechanical face mud seal. Um, so having the proper mud mixture, but the proper flow to make sure that that seal life is really what it, we need it to be. Um, and 10 gallon a minute is what our minimum is uh, when we talk about being able to spin our inner rod at the, the speeds of, from anywhere from 120 plus. Um, we, we really need to be pumping 10 gallon a minute. That's really going to get us to that uh, 200 hours of inner rod life before you need to rebuild it or pull that off. Um, and that is far and away above uh, better than what we've seen in terms of our, our Kelsey seals in terms of life, but also the, the ability to replace it. It takes about 30 minutes to do. It's just a kind of a pop in, pop off uh, kind of mentality. So we've seen a lot of good things there um, overall. So, you know, obviously we talked a lot of detail about, you know, the tooling and what that all involves. Um, what are some other keys to success in terms of a demo? I think parts, having the right parts on hand is going to be pretty critical. Correct, right? correct. Just yeah, making sure you have a few extra couplers, roll pins. I mean, this is a... This is a tough environment, and it's not a perfect environment that uh, you don't want to be uh, slowed down in that fashion. From a tooling aspect, um, I always recommend, you know, going to that fight with having, you know, different knives in your pocket. And uh, and I've been on, on uh, projects before where we went in, making good progress, and all of a sudden progress stops. The, the formations have changed. You have to change directions. You have to put a different tool on to be productive. Yeah, that's where I think we're a little different. You bring yeah. a knife, and I'm probably just more blunt force trauma yeah. to the <laughs> knife fight, right? Yeah. So, obviously, um, you know, we've had a lot of success. There's a lot to celebrate, but you got to make sure you set the right expectations with the customer, and that's kind of what we, our goal is here and what we lined out with them. And that's not to say, you know, 
don't get me wrong, there's a lot of ditch witch all terrains in the field. It's going to be hard to get that first demo. You know, a great way that we've seen guys have success um, is take an RH10 or an RH15 and put it on an all-terrain rig. Let them see the performance uh, of our rockhead, uh, um, and then that leads to an open door to see, hey, you like the drill head? You should see it paired with our 2330DR with our 40 by 55 dr So keep that in mind um, as you're having con uh, contact with contractors uh, that are running all terrains. It's a good foot the door, in my opinion. So what else, Chris? Anything else? No, I think the biggest thing is just to set the expectation with the contractor. If if they haven't been big into rock drilling, it's different than dirt drilling. And that's always a, a tough conversation. Uh, I've had it before where... You know, you've, you've got to, you know, for lack of better terms, you want to put a shot collar on the operator, you know, because they just want to go fast. And there's, again, like you said before, there's nothing fast about it. And setting that expectation of the operation of the machine, again, slowing down, being very detailed. Um, if they've not run a rock machine before, when we're steering, there's certain sequential things that you do in that process that, are, that can make or break you. And, and probably another thing I want to mention that uh, gets ignored is that uh, uh, you mentioned mud flow and proper fluids. Uh, it, it's key, and that could be the difference in success. It can be the difference in not running enough mud or the proper type of mud to pull the cuttings out of the ground. It's going to give you more regrind down in the hole, more wear on your tooling, your expensive rock tooling on the head of your rock tool, and uh, and and the extra wear on your machine and extra wear and tear you know, in, in general. So great points, Chris. I think, uh, those are very critical things to think about, uh, when we talk about success and, uh, obviously the goal is to sell equipment, sell tooling, uh, and you can't do that unless you have success and you have a good plan, uh, before you go out to the demo. So that's pretty much, uh, wraps it up for us. Yeah. As, as we wrap it up, I'd just like to plug that out on YouTube, there is a video on that rebuild process that is available for our dealers and our customers. And then also, as we talked about those couplers, we did an SPS on the go with the drill service team on how to maintain those couplers and some of those roll pins that Chris talked about earlier. So if you're a dealer, go on to dealer center and search for coupler, and it'll be one of the first results you get there. So, Hey, we appreciate you listening today. If you have any ideas for another SPS on the go audio file, please email those to SPS at vermeer.com and we'll get the right guys on the microphone and we'll get that recorded so you can listen to it in your truck as you drive around. Have a good day.